Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. But we're starting a brand new series, and the Lord has been speaking to me about this one. All right, the title of this series is Growing Pains, okay? And the vision behind this series is to teach you that spiritual maturity is going to hurt. Okay, and you're going to outgrow some of the environments that you used to fit in because God is changing your mind and God is changing your heart and God is changing the way you live. That's called spiritual growth in Jesus Christ. Paul said it like this in Ephesians chapter four, verses 22 through 24. He said, you were taught to leave your old self. That is growing in spiritual maturity. This means that you must stop living the evil way you lived before. That old self gets worse and worse because people are fooled. They are tricked by the evil they want to do. So your hearts must be made new and your thinking must be made new. Be that new person who was made to be like God, truly good and pleasing to him. Now notice verse 27 states it like this. Don't give the devil a way to defeat you. Don't allow the devil a way to defeat you. So do me a favor. Look to somebody next to you and say, you got to grow to keep that devil low. You got to grow to keep that devil low. Because when you keep the devil low, guess what? You can crush his head. You can take him out. You don't have to listen to him anymore. You don't have to allow him to control you. Jesus came to set you free. That spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving in your life. But God has also called you to be a leader a godly leader. So the title of today's message is this growing as a leader. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about growing and it's not easy to grow. It can be painful to grow sometimes, but I've realized that a lot of people want the position to leave, but they're not willing to pay the cost. You know, I just got to the point as a father, I'm really excited about this. I started training my boys on how to work out. Okay. And they were doing leg day last week. And they looked at me and said, daddy, you didn't tell me how bad this will hurt. And I said, because if I told you, you would never do it. Right. But it's worth the cost because then you're going to reach your goals and you're going to see those results. And you're going to be excited. The same is with leadership. So let me encourage you today. If you feel like you have been leading in a season of hurt, do not give up. God is allowing some hurt in your life because what he's doing right now is increasing your faith. Your faith is going to get stronger. So you got to let it grow. So if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and turn to Judges chapter six. Judges chapter six. Let me give you some background information first. Um, We're talking about the Midianites. The Midianites are enemies of Israel. And in this story, they have been oppressing Israel for seven years. So seven years, they have been burning their houses down. They've been taking their food, stealing all the things that they had. They have been making their life a living nightmare. They were persistent with this. And maybe you know how that feels. Maybe you know what it's like to have some people in your life that are persistent with trying to ruin your life and make your life a living nightmare. Listen to this. Judges chapter six, verse three and four. The Midianites and the Amalekites from the east always came and destroyed the crops. They came to the land and they destroyed the crops that the Israelites had planted. They ruined the crops of the Israelites. As far as the land near the city of Gaza, they did not leave anything for the Israelites to eat. They did not even leave them any sheep, cattle, or donkeys. So what was happening is that every time there was a time of harvest, of increase, that's when the Midianites would come in and steal everything that the Israelites worked hard for. Guess what? That's what the devil wants to do with you. 
That's how he's going to attack you spiritually because we know, according to the word of God, there was a time in your life that you encountered Jesus. At least I pray so. And when you encounter Jesus, guess what? He planted a good seed of faith in your heart. But when you're not living for Jesus, when you're living for the world instead and you get distracted with all these things, I'm telling you today, you're giving the devil an opportunity to steal away that seed of faith. Have you ever noticed when you're no longer reading the word of God and you're just busy with life, that's when you start to doubt God? That's when you start to become fearful and those old emotions start to control you again. Why? Because you have not been in the presence of the Lord. Jesus said it like this, one of his most famous parables, Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. He said, what about the seed that fell by the path, that fell by the path? That is like the people who hear the teaching about God's kingdom, but do not understand it. But Jesus is also saying this, they didn't seek to find the answer either. They didn't see God to know his presence or his character. So because they never really understood who God was, then the evil one came in and took away what had been planted in their hearts because they were living for the world instead. And so imagine you have been tormented and you've been running from your enemies. You've been hiding from your enemies for seven entire years. You tired thinking about it? Seriously, seven years running away from the problem, running away from the enemy. And then if you get to this point in your life, guess what? It's really easy to do. That's God's fault, right? Let's be honest. I know we're church people and we believe, but there are times in our life where we look up at the sky and we're like, God, what are you doing? I have been praying for an answer and God, you're allowing the enemy to pursue me. They've been persistent. They're talking about my name and my character and coming after me, God, why are you allowing this to happen? And what I love about this story, because the Israelites started to blame God, like, God, why have you abandoned us? And God sends a prophet and says, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. God never abandoned you. You abandoned God. A long time, you left God. You've been sleeping in the pews for a long time. And now you're complaining that God's not answering you. You've been walking away from him. And now you're complaining that he's not coming up whenever you want him to show up. Judges chapter six, verse one gives us this revelation. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They worshiped other idols. They chased other gods. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. You walk away from God. You walk away from his protection. I see it over and over again within the scriptures. It is a theme that I see. You walk away from God, you walk away from his protection. But let me also say it like this. Since the Israelites wanted to worship other idols like Baal, God was pretty much saying, go ahead. Do your thing. Go ahead and worship that idol of Baal. And let's see if Baal comes and rescue you. Oh, wait a minute. He's not coming. He hasn't shown up to help you. See, this is a big revelation. There are times... God will allow you to run to your idol just to find out that that idol cannot save you the way Jesus can. God may actually let you run to that idol to realize that that idol cannot save you the way Jesus can. That relationship is not going to complete you the way Jesus can. Okay, that job position is not going to provide for you the way Jesus can. Your social media status does not give you an identity. Only Jesus can do that. And he's never going to abandon you. He's never going to leave you. He will always be here. But sometimes the warning has to be clear. You've been running away from God. So life got hard. So you can change some things. So your life can change. Judges chapter 6 verse 10, the prophet spoke to the Israelites and said, I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites 
in the land that you now live in, but you have not listened to me. The Israelites thought the problem was that the enemy was stronger. That wasn't the problem. The problem was not that the enemy was stronger. The problem was they weren't listening to God. They were being rebellious against the Lord. And sometimes the things that you're complaining about, God, it's so big and it's so bad and it's so strong against me. God's like, no, it's weak. You could defeat it in a day, but you won't listen to me. You're doing your own thing instead. You're trying to take control, release control, and allow me to do the things you cannot do. But what I love about the character of God, it doesn't matter how many times you messed up. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. The moment you truly repent from the Lord or to the Lord, then God sends a rescue mission on your behalf because he loves you so much. And so when you're looking in this story, all of a sudden we see that God will send a rescue mission and he calls a man named Gideon and he says, Gideon, I'm going to use you to save the Israelites. You're going to go into battle. But now this leads to my first point of godly leadership. You ready for this? Point number one, God may call people to lead who do not want to lead. Let's be honest today. Because when I look at the Bible, I see this theme over and over again. Some of my favorite godly leaders, guess what? They did not want to lead in the beginning. When God came to Gideon, so when Gideon encountered the presence of the Lord, this angel that came to him, guess what? He wasn't praying to lead the Israelites into battle. He was complaining. He was hiding just like everybody else was hiding. He was saying, God, fix my problems. You ready for the answer? Be careful when you say, God, fix my problems. Because sometimes that answer may scare you. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. One time the angel of the Lord came to a place called Ophrah and said, under an oak tree. This oak tree belonged to a man named Joash from the Abizer family. Now his son Gideon was beating some wheat in a wine press. Now listen to the wording here. He was hiding so that the Midianites could not see the wheat. So what was he doing? He was separating the wheat, but he was doing it in a wine press, in a sunken hole. That's not where you do this. Usually you would do this on an open field so that the wind can blow away the husk, which means his job was becoming a lot more difficult because he was afraid to face his problems. And for some of you right now, is that how you're living? You are so afraid of confrontation. You're so afraid to have that conversation that needs to be had that you're actually tiptoeing around the problem and you're making your job harder. You're trying to do the things that the Lord has told you to do, but you're hiding from everybody. When the Lord is saying, I'm going to use you, that conversation will be helpful, but guess what? You gotta have it. You gotta have faith that the Lord can speak to you at the right time. So here's Gideon. He's hiding from the the Lord. The angel of the Lord comes to him now. When he's hiding from the Midianites, the angel of the Lord comes in, appears to Gideon and says, the Lord be with you, brave soldier. Now this made me laugh because what, Gideon, what is Gideon doing? He's hiding in a wine press. Put yourself in his shoes. Would you say, who are you talking to? You're, talking, you're calling me a brave soldier? Like, listen, I'm not Captain America. I can't do this. You, you got the wrong guy. You got to call somebody else because I'm hiding. But what I love about the scripture And what I love about the character of God is that God was not speaking into who he was at that moment. He was speaking into the character that he would evolve into, who he would become. Sometimes God is going to speak something over your life that doesn't make sense in the moment. You're going to look at your life and you're going to say, God, that's not my character. I'm not there yet. And God said, no, 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 I'm speaking upon your life, but this is coming in the future. See, you're going to change. Everything about your heart and the way you speak and the way you live, everything is going to change. This character is coming for the future. You just got to trust 
the process. And I love that. God will speak into who you will become, not always who you are today. But then this raises a really big question. And my question is this, why does God call people who don't want to be called? Why is it that he doesn't just call the leaders and say, here I am, Lord, <laughs> I'm ready to be used. Because usually when we see these people out of the Bible, or if you know somebody like this, they're a little puffed up on their own pride. They want to control some things. They want everybody to know their name and to know their leadership. And so they have a lot of self-confidence. But I believe looking at a lot of stories in the Bible, God wasn't looking for self-confidence. He was looking for those that had God confidence. See, I'd rather have God confidence because in myself, guess what? No matter how strong I try to become, I'm always going to be weak. There's always going to be things that come against me and attack me. But when my confidence is in the Lord, I know that in my weakness, he makes me stronger. And I know that he increases my faith because he is in my life today. So there's God confidence. And I realize in every story, these people become the best leaders because they realize they can't do it. But God can. Every single time. Uh, when Moses encountered the presence of God, what was the first thing that he said to the Lord? I can't speak. That's what he said. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, but Lord, <laughs> you ever said that? I'm telling you, I'm not a good speaker. I have never been able to speak well. And that hasn't changed since you started talking to me. I'm still not a good speaker. You know that I speak slowly and that I do not use the best words. And many scholars believe that possibly he had a stuttering problem as well. He had a problem with speaking. But it's funny to me that the one thing that he was concerned about the most, nobody remembers. Think about it. Nobody, when they bring up Moses in a conversation, says, oh, yeah, that guy that couldn't speak. No, when you bring up Moses in a conversation, what do you think of? This great man of faith, this great man that had plagues come upon the land of Egypt and said, let my people go. This man that came across the Red Sea and split the Red Sea, this man that collected the Ten Commandments from God's holy presence. That's what you think of when you think of Moses. But the one thing he was concerned about the most, nobody remembered. Right now, what are you concerned about? What are you in your head about? Well, Lord, you can't use me. <laughs> Do you know my past? Lord, you can't use me because you know that I'm not a good speaker. You, know, I, you can't use me because I don't have talent. Listen, the Lord will place that talent in you at the right timing. The Lord is going to use you and he's going to speak through you. That's what he said to Moses. Moses said, I can't speak. And God said, don't you worry, Moses. I will grab a hold of your mouth and I will speak through you. It's not on your own strength. It's God confidence. Exodus chapter four, verse 12. So go, I will be with you when you speak. I will give you the words to say. And so we see a lot of times out of the Bible that God will call people that didn't ask to be called. My second point is this though. And this is a little bit harder. To move on, to grow, you have to let go of the past. To be able to move on, in order to spiritually grow, this means that you have to be able to move on from the past because here is the Lord right in front of Gideon and the angel of the Lord is saying, God has chosen you for this battle, but instead of speaking by faith, he's speaking by doubt and fear and giving a lot of excuses. Judges chapter six. Verses 12 through 16, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, brave soldier. And Gideon said, I love how it's worded. He said, pardon me, <laughs> pardon me, sir. Um, but if the Lord is with us, oh, can you relate to this? Why are we having so many troubles? 
if the presence of God is with us, if he still loves us, why are we going through so many trials right now? Why are there so many troubles? We heard that he did wonderful things for our ancestors. And they tell us that the Lord took them out of Egypt. But now it seems that the Lord has left us and he's letting the Midianites defeat us. Have you ever said something like that out loud? Or maybe inside in your heart, but you just didn't let anybody else know. If God is with me, then why am I going through so much right now? Why am I being attacked right now? God, I'm asking you to send me a rescue mission. Save me in this situation. And then God shows up and says, okay, you ready? Ready for what, Lord? Pardon me. You know, what do you mean? God's going to use you. Sometimes we want God just to show up and fix everything, but that's not how you grow. And so if you want to spiritually grow as a leader and have faith, listen, let me also say it like this. God has called you to be a godly leader. This also means you become a problem solver. A godly leader becomes a problem solver. Godly leaders should not fear the problems that come their way because God has chosen you to overcome them. So sometimes in our life, these trials come our way, but you can trust in the Lord and then you can ask God for insight and he will give you revelations on how to take down the enemy. But it's not just to save you, it's to also save everybody else around you. See, Gideon didn't expect that. He said, Lord, I've been praying. Where you been? Lord, I've been asking you to do things and you're not helping me. And then the Lord turned toward Gideon and said, then use your great power and go and save the Israelites from the Midianites. I am sending you. I'm sending you. I'm sending you to save them. And again, so many times we ask God to fix the situation, but that's not how you grow. And so then I I see in verse 15, as it continues, this part made me laugh because again, Gideon answered and said, pardon me. (laughs) Pardon me, God. I don't know how to say this, how can I save Israel? That's a place a lot of us have been. God, how can I save my marriage? God, you called me, but how do I save my family? My family is running away from you and they mock me because I live for you. And, and how do I save them? How do I, how do I save my friends? How do I change my workplace? How do I change the areas that I am? God, how do I do this? You want to send me? I don't know how to do this. And then he asked the question, and then, and then he, he also brought in a lot of excuses right after God. How am I supposed to do this? How am I to save Israel? My family group is the weakest tribe in Manasseh. Nobody respects my family. People know my, my family's past and where I am, and nobody respects our status. They know what's taking place in our life, God. And then he says, and I'm the youngest, meaning I'm the runt. I'm the smallest one. I can't do this. And I realize, just like a lot of us, a lot of times we say we can't do things. God, I, I, I can't serve. I can't do this. I can't, can't go back there. Why? Because I'm afraid. I just don't have the talent. But sometimes it's a little deeper than that. And so I want to give you a revelation today about Gideon's story. Maybe you've never heard before. But if you fast forward in the story, you realize something about Gideon. See, Gideon was afraid to leave because leading meant that he would have to confront his past hurt. Gideon was afraid to leave because leading would mean that he would have to confront his past hurt because later in the story, we find out that the Midianites killed two of his brothers at some point. Imagine. God says, I'm going to use you 
to take out the enemy, the same enemy that tore up your family. The same enemy that damaged your family and killed two of your siblings. I'm going to fast forward here just to show you. Judges chapter 8, verse 18 and 19. Then Gideon said to Ziba and Zalmunna, these are two Midianite kings. You killed some of the men on Mount Tabor. What were these men like? Ziba and Zalmunna answered, they were like you. Each one of them seemed like a prince. Now listen to the words of Gideon. Gideon said, those men, they were my brothers. They were my mother's sons. As the Lord lives, if you had not had killed them, I would not kill you now. See, eventually Gideon believed in the Lord and he had victory and he was able to overtake the Midianites. Let's go back because we're not there yet. We're not in Judges chapter eight. We're still in Judges chapter six, where the Lord is telling him, this seems impossible. How am I going to save Israel? right now. But I want to encourage you today. God is going to call you. And when he calls you, it's going to be bigger than you. It's meant to be that way. It's not meant to be easy. It's not meant to be something you can do by your own strength or by your own talents, but he wants to grow your faith. And then at the right time, when you feel like everything is falling apart, that's when God shows up and says, I got this. I'm fighting for your behalf. God will make it happen. Judges chapter six, verse 16. For the Lord answered Gideon and said, I will be with you. I'll fight for you so that you can defeat the Midianites as easily as if it were one man. Isn't that amazing? You can fight this army of 135,000 Midianites. but It's going to seem like one man. You're going to be able to take him out because I'm going to fight for you. But I realized in our life, a lot of times it's our past mistakes that hold us back from growing. It's the past fears. Well, pastor, I would love to do something like that. But last time I did it, they they hurt me. They said some things about me and I was all about ministry until I realized that I'm around a lot of unperfect people and then things just got heated and and I was all about you, Lord. And then things just kind of fell apart. And now I am afraid. And the devil will get in your ear and he'll tell you, hold on to that hurt. Because as long as you hold on to that hurt, that hurt holds on to you and you'll never move forward. Do you understand that? You will be stuck. And I'm telling you today, as a godly leader, you are no longer a slave to your emotions. The way you feel in the moment doesn't matter because I still have hope in the promises of God. Yes, I'm broken. Yes, I've been shattered. Yes, I've been left alone by a lot of people, but my God is still here. And he's still leading me into the promise. And there's some things I got to confront now in the past. But that brings healing. Israelites ran for the Midianites for seven years, hiding from the problem. What are you hiding from? Is it you that's in the wine press right now when you're doing things and making your life very difficult because you're busy doing all these other things? I got to make sure to separate the wheat. I got to make sure to take care of my life. I got to do all these things. And the Lord is calling you to rise out of the pit and to step into something bigger to believe in the impossible. The only way you grow is to move on from the past. Let that be healing in your life. That is good news. That's the gospel that you can move on, that you can see something that hurt you and it no longer hurts you. And it becomes a testimony. And so we see this. But point number three, 
is this. Godly leadership requires making difficult decisions. This is where a lot of us are like, oh, okay, wait a minute, what? You know, I was good about the healing pastor, even though confronting some things, that's hard. I was good about God coming in and rescuing me and and bringing some victory in my life. But what do you mean difficult decisions? (laughs) Um, Before we get into that, let me... Let me share this. What did Gideon do? Once Gideon heard from the Lord and he believed the Lord, the first thing that he did, his first response was to worship God. He built an altar and he worshiped Yahweh. Judges chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, the Lord said to him, will you underline this? Peace to you. Do not be afraid. God is speaking this right before he goes into battle. It's not when everything is comfortable and everything's all right. Now he's speaking this right before he goes into battle. Peace to you. Do not be afraid. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and he named it. The Lord is my peace. What I love about this scripture. It proves to us what worship can change in the atmosphere. All of a sudden you were scared of the battles that are before you. But instead of complaining to the Lord, what if you started to worship the Lord? then there's a peace that comes from above. Have you ever felt that before? I've had people come up to me. I remember this one person came up to me and said, you know what? I'm just, I'm dealing with some things in my house right now. It seems like spiritual warfare. I feel attacked. When I, when I walk into my house, it feels like just complete uh, depression. When I walk in here, everything just seems dark. Everybody's moody and I don't know how to get past this. And so my answer was, when's the last time you worshiped in your house? Well, I don't know. I worship." on a Sunday morning. No, 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 no. When's the last time you got your family together and you worship the Lord in your house? Because when you worship Jesus in your house, the atmosphere starts to change. The enemy has to leave. And all of a sudden you feel peace. It doesn't mean that your life is perfect now and that everything's better right away, but you'll notice all of a sudden you have this hope. Gideon now has hope to believe in victory because God has sent him peace by worshiping him. And again, we would love to stop there, but it gets a little more difficult because growing in the Lord, hear me out, requires a major life change. Growing in the Lord requires a major life change because right after worshiping the Lord, right after he received peace, now God said, all right, I want you to do something difficult. And the first thing that he had to do as a godly leader was tear down the idols. Tear down the idols of his father that his father had put up. This is not easy to do. Judges chapter six, verse 25 through 27. That same night, the Lord said to Gideon, choose your father's best bull, the one that is seven years old. First, use it to pull down the altar your father built. The one that was passed down from generation to generation. This idol that used to be in your family today, I want you to pull it down. That idol that used to consume your parents, the way that they talk to each other today, I want you to bring that idol down. The way you used to drink, the way you used to see your parents or drink or your family drink or your siblings drink, that idol that was in your life that told you you had to do this to fulfill yourself, to have a good life, tear that idol down. Your dad put it up, but it's time to take it down for the heavenly father is speaking now. And he wants to change you, but guess what? It can also change your family. And it changes everybody else around you, but it's not always easy to do. So he said, I like the wording here. First, use it to pull down the altar your father built to worship Baal. Also, I want you to cut down 
the Asherah pole beside the altar. Then I want you to build the right altar. You had counterfeit altars that you were pursuing, that you were chasing, that you were running after that would never satisfy you or heal you or help you. So today it's time to pull those idols down and build the right altar to the Lord your God. Verse 27. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did what the Lord had told him to do. But Gideon was afraid that his family and the men of the city might see what he was doing. So he did it through the night, not in the daytime. And I need you to understand. So in Gideon's time, what they were doing, they were worshiping Yahweh and Baal right beside each other in the same temple. Uh, Let me say it like this. If you don't understand that, they're worshiping God and the devil. They're giving sacrifices to Baal. They're giving sacrifices to the Lord. They're worshiping God and the devil. The two cannot be mixed together. And a lot of us would hear a story like this and we're like, wow, how crazy are they? I would never do something like that. But let's be real for a second. Because listen, I've been there. Here's a warning. The way you live also reveals who you worship. And if you're like how I used to be, listen, I'll be very honest. On a Sunday, I was worshiping the Lord. I was living for him. But Monday through Saturday, it was a different story. Monday through Saturday, I was living for myself. I was living for the world. Whatever I wanted, that's what I went after. And then on a Sunday, all right, God, forgive me. Let's do it all over again. No, the two cannot be mixed together because you will love one. You will hate the other. When you start living for the world, you start becoming distracted with the ways of the world. Guess what? You start to hate the word of God because you feel like it's telling you what to do. Somehow the enemy has gotten in your head saying that the word of God is bondage over you, but it's freedom. He's trying to free you from the enemy's tricks that he wants to bring into your life because the enemy will package it like it's a blessing, like it's freedom for your life. But then he puts you in bondage and he wants to make you enslaved to a sin in your life that Jesus came to set you free from. He came to set you free. And we're living this way. The two cannot be mixed together. You cannot live for God in the world. And so let me say it like this, tear down the idol. What idols are in your life right now that you need to tear down? Take it down. Um, okay, it gets more difficult. Happy sermon right here. Uh, but this is godly leadership, Okay. This is how we have to grow. This is why it hurts sometimes. Uh, What I've learned as a leader, pursuing the Lord, casting out demons and tearing down idols will always bring conflict. Living for the Lord, tearing down idols will always bring conflict. Let me make it very clear right now. Being a godly leader is always going to lead you to confrontation. Every single time as a godly leader, guess what? You're going to be misunderstood sometimes. There's going to be situations in your life that you don't understand. Being a godly leader, there's going to be times in your life where you're going to be criticized. Why are they doing that? Why are they doing it this way? How come they're not doing it my way? Instead, there's going to be times as a godly leader, you will be mocked and even threatened at times because you're following the Lord. Why? Because God has chosen you to tear down the bondage that these demons want over people, that the enemy wants over your life. You understand it's a spiritual battle. Your battle is not to fight the person. Your battle is to fight the enemy, the spiritual enemy around us. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, the principalities, the dark principalities that we fight on a daily basis. And sometimes it gets tiring. You know, like, God, they're really coming after me. Listen, keep doing what you got to do. Keep fighting the fight because the Holy Spirit will fight for you. Some of you write it down. 
But most importantly, believe it. Please. When you come into a spiritual attack, you're fighting the enemy. You're trying to make it. Believe that the Holy Spirit will come and fight for you. Here's what happened the next morning. Judges chapter 6, verse 30 and 31. So the men in the city came to Joash and said, you must bring your son out. For he pulled down the altar for Baal. And then he cut down the Asherah pole that was beside it. Your son must die. I love how the father replied to him though. He said, if Baal is really a God, let him protect himself. (laughs) If he's really all powerful, then let him protect himself. Let him stand up for himself. And what I love about the story now, God has freed Gideon. There's always a way out and Gideon didn't even have to do anything here. Other people were standing up for him because the Holy Spirit is going to fight for you and give you the right words at the right time. Now, it gets even harder. This is probably the most difficult to deal with as a godly leader. Godly leaders, and Gideon had to make this choice. He had to choose to obey God even when it did not make sense. I choose to obey what the Lord is speaking over my life even when it looks crazy to everyone else. And so this is an important lesson. Lesson, it, it, it blessed me. I pray that it blesses you today, okay? But I want to tell you today, do not be afraid of God's pruning process. As a biblical leader, as, as a leader following the Lord for your life, do not be afraid of God's pruning process. The definition of biblical pruning is this, the action of God taking away something or even someone in order to produce long-term growth. Here's what that means. Sometimes God is going to remove the people in your life that are not meant to be in the promise. Sometimes God is going to remove the people that you were really close to that were not meant to be in the promise with you. Why? Because you have outgrown the environment they still fit in. Your faith has outgrown some things. You're believing now that mountains can be moved, but they're still here. And there's some people that just want to hold you back because they have their own agendas, but the Lord has spoken clearly, but it's going to look crazy to other other people. I'm not preaching now. (laughs) You know what I mean by this? The pruning process is very difficult and and it's scary. The reason why it's scary is because we tend to depend on people more than God. And so for some of us, we've depended on people in our life and God's like, listen, I need to correct your heart in this. It's been me the whole time. And I I will provide everything that you need. So let's continue the story. Now Gideon is leading this army to fight the Midianites and there's a pruning process. Judges chapter seven, verses one through three. Early in the morning, um, Jeroboam, this is another name for Gideon, and all of his men set up their camp. Verse two, then the Lord said to Gideon, I am going to help your men defeat the Midianites. Hallelujah. I got victory. But you have too many men. Like, pardon me? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, what, God? You got too many men. Listen to the wording. I don't want the Israelites to forget me. And I don't want them to brag that they saved themselves. So make an announcement to your men and tell them anyone who is afraid may lead to Mount Gilead and go back home. He looks crazy. He's about to fight 135,000 Midianites. He's got 33,000 men with him right now. 33,000 or 32,000, I'm sorry. 32,000 with him. And so I imagine Gideon's like, okay, all right, Lord. All right, you told me to do this. All right, anybody wants to go home? Anybody that's afraid today, go ahead, go back home. Let's see what happens. And I I think maybe he thought maybe a few hundred would go. The Bible says 22,000 men 
<laughs> left him. Like in my mind, immediately I hear that TikTok song, like, oh no, oh no. You know what I mean? Like, if you heard it, you know what I'm saying? If you haven't, don't worry about it. It's okay. But I know I'd be like, oh no, did I just make the right decision? But I heard God. He spoke this and I did it. And now God, 22,000 men just left me. Listen, learn this as a leader now. Not everyone who showed up to help was called by God to help you fight. Not everyone who showed up to help was called by God to help you in this fight. Some need to go home because some have their own agendas and they may either change the process, delay the process, or allow a lot of problems to come in. And so you need to trust the Lord in what he is doing. See, this was a great test on Gideon's faith because he went from 32,000 men to now 10,000. Again, they're about to fight 135,000 Midianites. And so if I were Gideon, I'd say, okay, okay, Lord, I did it. Let's go fight. And God's like, there's more pruning to be done. Like, come on. We got 10,000. My voice just got really high. We got 10,000. <laughs> this is when people criticize you as a leader. You understand that? This is when people look at you and say, what are you doing? And then what God told him to do next seemed to be worse on the outside. But see, Gideon was chosen to lead because he would care more about what God said than people. That's why he was chosen to lead the Israelites. He wouldn't be influenced by the people around him. He would be influenced only by God. And so now we see in Judges chapter 7, verses 4 through 7, then the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men. Take the men down to the water. And I will test them for you there. Verse five. So Gideon led the men down to the water. The Lord said to him, separate the men like this. Those who drink the water by using their tongue to lap it like a dog will be in one group. And those who've been down to drink will be in the other group. There were 300 men who used their hands to bring the water to their mouth and lapped it like a dog does. All the other people bent down and drank the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, surprise, the 300. Have fun. 300 against 135,000 Midianite soldiers. Because there's 300 men who lapped the water like a dog. I will use them to save you. And I will allow you to defeat the Midianites. Let the other men go home. More pruning to be done. Yay, God. You know, like, now, you're a leader. And people were coming up to you asking questions. What made you come up with this decision? Well, see, the Lord said, uh, everybody was thirsty. <laughs> and so we went to the water and some of them brought it to their mouth and started drinking like a dog. And God's like, those are the people. Let's let them fight. Let's let everybody else go home. It seems crazy. But it's what God said to do. You're not living to please people. You're living to please God because people don't always understand the revelations that God is about to show you when you obey him. And so I had to dive deeper into the scripture. I had to find out what was the Lord doing? Why would he do something like this? And I realized, okay, the men that cupped the water and brought it to their mouth and lapped it like a dog, they drank it like a dog, also meant that they were able to see their surroundings. The entire time that they were drinking, they were able to see their surroundings, which means if they were in battle, if they were in war, they would still be able to see the enemy coming as they were drinking water. But the other men who bent down into the water, guess what? The water is the only thing they could see because that's what they were consumed with at the moment. God is always revealing something. And it may seem crazy in the moment. And then the Lord really placed this on my heart. 
I pray that it blesses you. Listen, it is better to go to war with 300 prepared believers than 32,000 that would just get in the way. It doesn't matter how big the crowd is or the size of the crowd. All that matters is the size of my God. And I know how big he is. I know that he can take down the enemy. I know that he's doing in my life when he speaks it, even when I don't understand. See, the pruning process revealed two things. Those who believed in the promises of God, who were willing to move past their fear, and those who would be on guard against the enemy. You need people like that in your life. Ready to fight a spiritual fight. Hey, I see that you're being attacked right now. I've been praying for you. You realize how, how big of a blessing that's been for me and my family. And a lot of you here, you know, January starts, a lot of things seem to happen to families. There's a lot of sickness going around. We have a lot of good people in this place that have lost loved ones already in this month. And I know even for my family, um, right before Christmas Eve, my son was in the hospital over a, a serious issue, but he was healed from that, came home. And then start of New Year's Day, I was woken up to find out my dad had a heart attack and uh, had an ambulance come and take him to the hospital. And through the entire process, people were checking up and, and praying for me. And what really encouraged me was that they were speaking from the Lord a lot of times. It wasn't just, hey, like, I hope everything's okay. It was like, hey, I, God placed this on my heart. The enemy's attacking you. Um, he's trying to distract you because this church is moving. This church is reaching people all over the world. We have people in so many different countries watching every Sunday. Baptism today, I said we have around 16 baptisms. A lot of these people travel from out of state to be here today, to be baptized here. And when I heard that, it encouraged me to keep praying. You need warriors around you. You need people who believe in the promises of God, who are aware of the enemy's attacks. They're not negative about everything. Everything's falling apart. You don't want to be around those people. But those who believe in the promises of God change your life. So please listen, godly leaders need to recognize when God is pruning and understand that it is necessary for victory. It's okay. God is in control. And this leads to my last point, which is this. Godly leadership is always worth the cost. And you may be saying, pastor, I don't know, because he told me a lot of stories about hurt and pain, betrayal, confronting the past. There's things in there that I don't want to do. But I want to encourage you, as long as you keep following God, the problems that have happened in your life eventually are going to be replaced by miracles. <laughs> Please hear me on that. The pain that once consumed you will be replaced with a miracle. The relationships that fell apart and you felt like you were abandoned and life would never get better. Guess what? One day that's going to be replaced by a miracle. The things that are attacking you right now when you feel like you're in a season of being lost, guess what? It's going to be replaced by a story of a miracle as long as you keep following God. Because if you know the ending of the story, and I, I kind of mentioned it a little bit during the prophetic time, God reveals to Gideon that he needs to go to the enemy. He has to trust the Lord to go to the enemy. You understand this? He said, get to the enemy and you're going to hear something because God has sent a nightmare to the Midianites about Gideon. So when he goes to their camp and hears what they're talking about, guess what? He hears that they're afraid of him. A big bad enemy that comes against you, that is persistent in attacking you day after day. Guess what? When they hear from the Lord, they're afraid of your faith and your strength and what you're doing. 
And then in the story, Gideon grabs his army, 300 men camp around the area. And like I said, they, they, blow the, they blew the shofar. It's very loud, ram's horn. They raised the, the fire. They broke the pots, all very noisy. And they did it as a scare tactic to have them concerned because they didn't know. The Midianites didn't know that it was just 300 men. They didn't know that. But it's when they shouted for the Lord. It's when they shouted to Yahweh. It's when they praised his holy name that the enemy became confused and started to run and started to cry. Which means every time you shout to the Lord and praise God, the devil is going to run and cry. Those demons are going to run away from your life. They're going to cry. They're going to be terrified. Why? Because the presence of God is with you. This is when the Holy Spirit fights that battle for you. All you have to do is show up and believe and trust in everything God is speaking over you. That's what makes you a godly leader. It doesn't mean you have all the systems figured out. It doesn't mean you have all the answers for everybody in this world besides just the answer of Jesus Christ. But you trust in him. Judges chapter 7, verse 21 and 22, Gideon's men stayed where they were, but inside the camp, the men of Midian began shouting and running away. Some translations even said that they cried. And when Gideon's 300 men blew the trumpets, the shofar, the Lord calls the men of Midian to kill each other with their swords. They no longer knew who the enemy was. They went after each other. They were confused. There was confusion. But in the presence of God, there's never confusion. Because he is the author of truth and everything that he speaks in our life. And so they attacked each other with their swords and the enemy's army ran away. The enemy's army ran away. The enemy that is coming after you, the moment you shout to the Lord, he runs away. Every time you praise his holy name, the enemy is going to run away from you. Do me a favor, look at somebody next to me and say you. Just point to somebody. I know it's kind of rude, but today it's okay. You, the enemy is going to run away from you. Yes, you. You never thought it could happen. But it's worth the cost because here's why. Godly leadership always leads to freedom. For seven years, they had a spirit of fear that controlled them. But now instead of a spirit of fear, they had stories of miracles, miraculous things that they believed in the Lord. And so I want to do something a little bit different today. If you're able to stand, will you go ahead and just stand with me? And even out in the lobby in the overflow, if you could stand with me, because some of you are asking right now, within well, how do I become a godly leader? And again, this is just the first sermon of the series. We're going to keep growing together over the next few weeks. God is really going to bring a lot within this series. I'm super excited about it. But for 2024, we have to start right. We have to listen to the Lord. And so the first thing out of this sermon is believe that God has called you. You understand, you're never going to move if you never believe that God has called you. You're never going to risk things if you do not believe that God is moving you, that he's spoken something over your life. See, he created you for a purpose. There's a reason you're alive today. You're not dead, so you have a purpose still today. God is still moving in your life. He still wants to do something through you. But the only way you're going to move is when you believe it. And yes, it's going to be bigger than you. Yes, it's going to seem impossible. But we serve the God of the impossible. So believe that God has called you. That's the first step. The second step is this. Tear down the idols of your past. 
the idols that your family put up a long time ago, it's time to tear them down. Just because your dad spoke a certain way doesn't mean that's how you need to speak today. Because you saw abuse in your family doesn't mean you need to carry that on. It tormented you. It's time to end it. Change your family, change your heart, change your life by tearing down the idols. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of being in bondage of lust. I'm sick of being in bondage of addiction. I'm sick of being in bondage at all because I know Jesus has come to set me free. You got to move past that. And for some of you, listen, you're going to have to confront the past to do that. You're going to have to forgive somebody you don't want to forgive. You're going to have to let go of some things. But that's how you heal and move on and grow. The third step is this. Be okay with the pruning process. Trust me, I know this one hurts. But be okay when God is taking people out of your life for you to grow properly. And you need to trust the Lord. Trust God through that pruning process. And my last step is this. Pursue miracles again. No matter how big, no matter how crazy it may look, everybody around you may criticize you. It doesn't matter. You're not listening to them. You're listening to the voice of the Lord. I know what God has for me. I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to walk into the promise. But you got to believe it for your own life. And so right now, do me a favor. Will you close your eyes? And if you need help, just prayer over one of these steps. Will you raise your hand boldly right now? I see you. I see you. Come on, raise your hand boldly. God, I need you. Come on, even in the overflow. If you want to raise your hand, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Father. First of all, I, I, I pray that they believe that they have been called, created for a purpose. I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Yeshua, that you give them strength to cast down the idols from their past, to move on from past hurt, and to actually see healing in their life. I pray, Lord, for those that feel like there's a pruning taking place, that feel like maybe they're alone, but God, you have not abandoned them. You have not left them. And so I pray, Lord, that they run to you and cry out to you today. And Jesus, I pray that they pursue miracles again. Some of us have given up because of past hurt, but it's time to move forward and believe again that you can do the impossible, that you can save our families, that you can save our marriages, that you can use us to reach people all over the world for your kingdom. And so we thank you, God, for everything you're doing. For yours is the glory and the kingdom and the power forever. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.